Thank you very much and good evening. It's nice to see all of you here. I, I realize that a number are missing, but we would say Montana, the good guys are here, right? <laughs> um, I, maybe I should just say a few things about myself just to, so to perhaps know me a bit better. Uh, my wife and I were commended as missionaries back in the 80s to the country of Angola in Africa, and I'll be explaining more about that in a moment. Uh, we first went to Portugal. Because the national language of Angola is Portuguese, we had to learn that language, so we went to Portugal and, and lived there for six months, and then uh, went on to Angola. Uh, we had one child at the time, and my wife eventually became pregnant with our second child, and when she was seven months pregnant, there was a civil war going on in the country, and the uh, rebels came into our area and were trying to take us hostage. So it became a very difficult situation for us, and our whole mission station had to, to leave. Um, I, what they were trying to do was take us hostage and walk us down to South Africa, which would have been about 400 miles. And that's not a, a good situation for a woman that's pregnant or for anybody. So we came back to the United States and we started working with our assembly in Montana, the state of Montana. In, in Montana, it's a, it's a big state, 750 miles wide. We have less than a million people, maybe a third of what you have in Los Angeles in one big state. And we have about three assemblies, so it's not a, a lot of assemblies in, in the state of Montana. But we started working with them and the, the war just kept going on. We had another child, and another child, and another child, and, and up to five children. And uh, then it became quite difficult because the, we, we just, our assembly wouldn't allow us to go back. They just wouldn't recommend it. But I was able to start going back in the 90s uh, with a, uh, a man called Don Cole from Chicago with the assemblies in Chicago and, and do some work there, just myself. Also, we were able to go back to Portugal for a couple of years and serve in the north of that country. And then uh, 2002, uh, peace came after 27 years of civil war, and then we could go more often. And since then, I've been able to go back. Sometimes my wife comes with me, but uh, at least twice a year, usually August, September, and then February, March. And I'm going to show you some things in a, in a little bit about what we do. One of the, in August, September, uh, I'm in a, an indigenous Bible school that was uh, started by Angolans for rural elders and deacons where they come and there's some training done for them. The war interrupted a lot of things, including education. So they, they just had a hard time being educated or even growing in the things of the Lord. And then in uh, Jan uh, February, March, usually February, March, is, for instance, this coming February or March, uh, it's in another province in Angola, and it's uh, in centers where uh, teach the Bible, and they bring in people uh, to be taught. And it's a privilege to work with our Angolan brothers and sisters. Uh, for me, I, I, I enjoy it very much. But I also enjoy stateside as well, you know, in, in our uh, particular state. One of the things we have in our uh, area, I the Lord allowed uh, a Bible study to start on our street. Uh, my, I think I explained this morning, my neighbor tried to kill himself, shoot himself with a 410 shotgun, and he didn't succeed, thankfully. And he's one of the people that comes, and he's become a believer. And then there's a, 
a, a few other neighbors uh, as well. We have about seven of us in it. And we're going through the book of John. And we came up last week to John chapter, uh, would have been two weeks ago, John chapter 17. And I was struck with how the Lord Jesus intercedes for us. He is our intercessor. The Holy Spirit is interceding, and the Bible specifically talks about his intercession for us. So I'm going to do something a little different. Um, uh, I want us to read these verses before we read John 17 uh, that bring out his intercession for us. And I'd like three brothers uh, to read. Uh, one brother to read Romans 8.34. Uh, the other brother, another brother to read Hebrews 7.25. And then one more brother to read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. So anybody uh, can do it. We just, uh, just stand up and read. Uh, the first one is Romans 8.34. Just listen to how it describes the Lord Jesus as our intercessor. Is that, is that Romans 8.34? Romans 8.35. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Ah, thank you, sir. Oh, that's okay. We got a bonus. <laughs> that's fine. He's our, how did that end, that verse end? Ah, make an intercession for us. Um, the second verse, Hebrews 7.25. Rod, thank you. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Ah, intercessor again. And then 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Oh, thank you, David. These verses point out that the Lord Jesus is our intercessor. He is our high priest interceding for us. And I'm going to read some verses from John chapter 17. And just listen uh, or read in your Bibles with me what he's doing. This is, this is really holy ground. Uh, the Lord Jesus is praying to the Father. And we're allowed to listen in, perhaps, to this prayer. And as we think about it, it's the, the Son of God who was always with the Father for eternity past is, has an intimate relationship with the Father and is praying to him. And we're allowed in to hear what he says. It's, it's a wonderful passage. And this is what we went through in our evangelistic Bible study. Starts uh, chapter 17, then verse 1. It says, these things Jesus spoke, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that the Son may glorify thee, even as thou gavest him authority over all mankind, that to all whom thou hast given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I glorified thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. 
And now glorify thou me together with thyself, Father, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I manifested thy name to the men whom thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept my word. Now they have come to know that everything thou hast given me is from thee. For the words which thou gavest me I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from thee, and they believed that thou didst send me. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but on those whom thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all things that are mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, the name which thou hast given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in thy name, which thou givest me, uh, has given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. As thou didst send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask in behalf of those alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, and they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me, and didst love them, even as thou didst love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, in order that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known thee, yet I have known thee, and these have known that thou didst send me. And I have made thy name known to them, and will make it known that the love wherewith thou didst love me may be in them, and I in them. The Lord Jesus, in this passage, is praying on behalf of his disciples, interceding for them. But it is, he is also praying for his church, his bride. He's praying for us. 
And this passage applies to us or to anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and is following him. And it doesn't matter the culture, uh, the language, um, nationality. We're all one in the Lord Jesus Christ, aren't we? We all belong to him. And we have a high priest who is interceding for us. And as I was thinking about this and coming here, I thought of a few things, and I, I just wanted to encourage you uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus as our intercessor prayed that they or us uh, be kept by him. That was one of the things he prayed for, verse 11 and verse 15. And he intercedes to the Father that we are kept, protected. Also, that we are one. And as we know, there's a lot of division that can creep into the church, can't it? Or in the local church. But we, the Lord Jesus is interceding that we stay as one, that we're unified. And then that we have joy. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm just enjoying myself, um, Kathy, at the, at the home. I'm sitting with these um, dear uh, ladies, that, uh, talking with them. They're believers. We, we, uh, where I live in Montana, we have a, a Bible study in, in the retirement home there. And it's a secular retirement home. And uh, there's a difference. The, the ladies that we have a Bible study with have this joy about them. And I notice that the others don't have any joy, the ones that don't know the Lord Jesus. There is a marked difference between people who know the Lord and people who don't know the Lord. There's a joy that they have. And that's the Lord is interceding on our behalf that we be joyful, to be sanctified. Sanctify, what does that mean? It really means to be set apart. And the Lord Jesus has put us in the world, yet we're set apart from the world, aren't we? And he's praying that we don't be controlled or molded by the world, but instead that we're set apart to him, to serve him. And at our table this evening, Kathy remembers we were talking about trying to be witnesses to others and talking to people about the Lord Jesus. And it's discouraging at times, like she was mentioning here, inviting people to vacation Bible school, for instance. And that's kind of disheartening at times, isn't it? You go and people don't want to hear what you're saying or don't want anything to do with you. And I think our fear, and mine included, is we don't want to be rejected. But they're really rejecting the Lord, not us, when we do that, when we talk to people. So we want to be set apart to him. That's what he's praying for. And then in verse 24, that uh, he intercedes that uh, they be with him in heaven. And we will be with the Lord in heaven. That's what we have to look forward to. That one day we will behold his face and we will see his glory. We don't know when that's going to happen, but we know it's going to happen. And finally, we will be witnesses of his glory in heaven. Verse 24 as well. So these are some thoughts from this magnificent prayer of the Lord Jesus. And I, I was just overcome with it. I, I thought, wow. And even the people in our study, you know, some of them aren't believers. They're, oh, you know, they're, they were quite intrigued with what was going on. I said, this is our intercessor. We have a I was mentioning at our table, we have a couple of um, 
Austrian ladies in our study, a mother and daughter, they're older, and uh, one of them uses a German Bible. Uh, and they're very, very Catholic. The older one goes to Mass every day. And I said, you know, the Word of God is very clear. It says there is one person interceding for us, and that is who? The man Christ Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's the one interceding. I said, we don't see Mary or Joseph or any of the saints. According to what the Bible teaches, we have one person interceding for us, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, they, they, they became a little uncomfortable, but we have to tell the truth. This is what the Bible says. And they're, they're up for the next study. So praise the Lord, we have somebody interceding for us. I wanted to talk to you a bit about Angola. Uh, this is, um, I'll just be local or current in the sense that this is what happened this year. And I'm going to split it into two. Uh, the first, uh, I want to show you where Angola is. Uh, this is uh, South Africa here, and uh, then we go up to what we call Namibia, and then this is Angola right here, south of the equator. It's on the west side. It was colonized by the Portuguese in about 500 years ago. And also another country, thank you, another country called uh, Mozambique over here, uh, right down here. Those two countries were, and that's why they're Portuguese speaking, the Portuguese were forced out in the 60s. There was a vacuum of power, and the uh, communists took over in 1975, and that's when the Civil War started. The rebels didn't want the communists. The United States actually backed the rebels, and it was a long, as I mentioned, a 27-year civil war in Angola. This is the province that I'm in. I'll, I'll just go back here. Um, This area is, is where our efforts are. I, I, just to encourage you, there are over 2,000 Brethren Assemblies in Angola. And you, you may think, in, here in the United States, you know, we're kind of alone. You know, we don't have much. Uh, we're sort of a small denomination, if we want to call it a denomination. But in other areas, it's much bigger. And there are 2,000, at least 2,000, uh, brethren assemblies like this, some are small in villages and some are, are very large. I've been in an assembly that had over 2,000 uh, people in it. So in that northern areas where we concentrate is a tribe called the Chokwe tribe. And um, this is the uh, area here in that province. And uh, this is uh, Lunda North and then Lunda Sul and in Mushiku province, the, uh, in, January, in February, March, it's more up in this area, right here in the north of the province. And then in August, September, it's down around this area here in uh, Luena, and there's the, where the Bible school is. So we'll go to Lunda North province, and uh, these are several areas in it. The first one is called this view. And uh, as I mentioned, we, we uh, well, they, they are, their logistics are they organize a, a conference and people come to it. And it's something like this. It's a primitive kind of uh, structure. Um, 
but they're believers. They love the Lord, and they believe the same thing as we do. In Angola, they say they have a thirst for the Word of God. They, they don't have or didn't have the teaching that we're so blessed with here. So it's a privilege to go there and just teach uh, the Word of God. I use Portuguese. I, I'm not good enough in the tribal language, Chokwe, and usually there's a translator from the Portuguese to the uh, tribal language. We usually have a guest house, and that's kind of where I stay. It's, it's not like uh, the uh, Western Assembly's home. <laughs> no, no running water, um, no power, but you know, it's a blessing. I, I usually travel with a couple of uh, men, and uh, they provide uh, the, the, the best they can for us. And uh, I'm, I'm at home with, the, with these men. I, I would rather stay in a situation like this than you know, in a compound or a mission station or even a, anything like that, because you're, you're one with them. We use a, a, a borrowed Land Rover. It's kind of the type of vehicle you need over there. One of the things that, that we do is uh, I have a source where I get uh, eyeglasses. Uh, these are readers or uh, reading glasses. And I, I think we all understand um, young people have, ah, I'm not sure about that, but once we hit 40 years old, what starts to happen <laughs> to our eyes? We uh, notice that we can't read as well. Well, it's the same with uh, Angolans. And so I'm, I'm privileged to bring over a number of readers, and we fit them and get them reading. Because if they can't read properly, then they can't read their Bibles. And if they can't read their Bibles, then they can't grow in the Lord. So what a privilege to be able to help. Simple, these are villagers. They don't have many things, materially speaking. And a, a man this age, he's probably 60 or so, he can't read unless he has these readers. Uh, another gentleman fixing him up with uh, reading glasses. Next area, the Mingus Vaj. This would be an assembly there uh, of people, um, believers coming to remember the Lord. Another assembly here. You can, you can see the size of them, some of them. Um, Africans don't have problems sitting close to each other. We, we kind of like our space, you know what I mean? Unless we're a family, of course. But if we're beside another brother or sister, we sort of, you know, we have to have some space between us. But they don't worry about that. They're very close. And uh, I appreciated you singing this morning at the Breaking of Bread and also leading. Uh, there's no such thing as tone deafness in Africa. They, they all sing, and they all sing well, and they all sing loud. And in fact, they don't have notes, so somebody knows the melody, and they'll be singing, and the rest harmonize with it. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to listen to them singing. There's no problem. They don't hold back, and uh, God has blessed that way. Another uh, thing that we try and do is help widows. Uh, sometimes people give me funds to be used specifically for widows. And there's a lot of widows in Angola. They don't have um, a social security system. So when a, a woman loses her husband, she really has uh, no way of, of getting by. Uh, her husband works the field or something like that. She, 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 she's uh, in a bit of difficulty. Uh, 
the family will help, but sometimes the family doesn't help. And they become what First Timothy chapter 5 calls in widows indeed, or true widows. And the church sometimes helps as well. So we sometimes give them funds. This is another group of ladies. I, I'm, I'm at a church, I'll, I'll ask the elders, I'll say, you know, I, I have some funds that I want to share with the widows. Um, can, can you provide some widows for me? And, they, and their problem is uh, they kind of look at me like, oh man, um, they have so many, they, they have to choose. Uh, how many are we gonna bring, you know? How many do you want? And I'll say, well, 10? But they probably have 20 or, or 25 of these kind, kind of widows that just don't have anything. This particular lady, uh, that morning her child died and uh, was buried that day. Usually in, in Angola, the, if a child dies in the, in the night or in the early morning, they'll, they'll bury the child the same day. So she, she was very grateful for the funds that we were able to give her. Next place is Samba. Uh, just to give you an idea sometimes of, of the roads, I, I, I've taken a little walk around here, and you, you have nice roads. <laughs> you don't probably have much frost. Montana, we, we are, sometimes the roads get a bit iffy. But in Angola, uh, you need, a, you need a, a vehicle like a Land Rover because it's just hard getting by. Uh, they welcome us. This is a group of people who received us. Uh, they actually block you. And, and get in front, and you, you, <laughs> you have to go very slow. I remember once I was worried about wearing, burning out my clutch because <laughs> trying, to, trying to go slow and not hit anybody. But they're just happy that we've come to, to share the word of God. They, uh, if I can tell you this, don't be aghast, but they sometimes dance uh, as they're leading us. <laughs> you know, it's cultural. Believe it there. And the children, of course. And then here's the assembly in that area, in that samba. Sometimes they have T-shirts on or shirts. Uh, and I've been at Breaking of Bread where the, uh, what's said on the T-shirt or um, blouse is, in English, rather inappropriate. <laughs> But what are you going to do, you know? I can't go up to the person and say, you need to cover that up. They don't know what it says. They, they don't understand English. So I have to just say, well, the Lord understands. You know, he'll, he won't say any. He's not going to be worried about or concerned with that. Here's a, a woman that we uh, provide the glasses for as well. A, a typical village. And Mushinda is another area. This was in uh, March. Again, one of our assemblies, typical type of assembly, very close. People are sitting together, and they, they have this thirst for the Word of God. And I, I can't emphasize how, what a privilege it is to, to teach the Word of God. And I'm not a great teacher. I'm not trying to say that in any way. I'm just sharing what God says. And to be able to be from another culture, another language group, and to be able to be amongst our believers, our brothers and sisters in Angola, and just share the word of God. It's a privilege uh, to do that. So I'm very thankful uh, to be able to go over there. And being, being in my situation, it's actually a blessing because when we were there uh, on a mission station, a lot of 
my time was consumed with maintenance of the mission station, you know, trying to keep things up, uh, repairs and that kind of thing. Whereas when I'm over there, I, I don't have any of that kind of worry. I just be with my two, or, two brothers that accompany me, and it's every day teaching the Word of God. And, and they, they just, I mean, uh, an hour is just, that, what, is, are you sick, brother? Do you, do you have a problem? You know, I mean, I can teach for four or five hours at a time. And not that I want to do that, but they, they want that. So I, I can teach all day long. And uh, they, they just love it. Uh, they have that thirst for the Word of God. It's their chance to finally, for instance, in this era, we went through the Book of Romans. Wow, just to go through that and, and study it. Uh, we also bring books with us and Bibles and sell those at a, at a, at a su subsidized rate. Uh, they come from uh, England, uh, and they're, most of them are in Portuguese or in the Chokwe language. And they're coming around uh, buying different materials. I, I thought I'd show you, these are av av avocado, av avocado, is that the English? Yeah, the, avocado, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. The Portuguese, I, some of you may speak Spanish here? Yeah, with the similarity Espanol, it's very similar, they're cousin languages. The, the, the Spanish is much clearer, uh, every syllable is pronounced and every vowel has the same uh, sound. Whereas in Portuguese, whoa, it's, it's not an easy language to understand. They slur a lot of the, the syllables, and an S between two vowels becomes a Z sound. So for instance, in Spanish, you say todos los dias, right, for every day. They would say todos los dias. That, that's what it sounds like in Portuguese. Um, they have the same base or same root, but anyway, the advocate, look at the size of those. That's a, that's a big plate. So they're kind of nice. I, I, do you have av av avocados that size? I'm envious. <laughs> you don't? Okay. Well, uh, the life of a woman is very hard in Angola. Uh, how can I put this? They, they're the real workers. Uh, a woman's life in the rural area is uh, she uh, goes to her field every day and works her field. They grow manioc, that's their chief crop, and from manioc they make uh, a food called shima. And the chokwe would tell you, if I haven't eaten shima, I haven't eaten at all. And um, it's a very difficult life. Uh, they, they use hoes, and uh, they basically hoe like this, uh, cultivate, hand cultivate their, their fields. No tractors or anything like that. And it's hard on a woman, uh, especially when she gets around 45, 50 years old, it, her back's gone. It's, it's, it's toast. They walk. I, I've seen women walk, uh, and I'm not exaggerating, five, six, seven miles to their field. They'll walk, they'll work their field, and then come home. I've seen women walking with a baby on the back and things on their uh, a pile of... Um, uh, manioc on, on, carrying on their head and they'll walk that distance. The women are the ones that carry the water. They carry the water on their head. I've seen women carrying things on their head that probably around 50 or 60 pounds and they walk long distances with that. And they take their children, their young girls with them as well and they start them off at a young age. So education sometimes isn't a priority. 
then they also collect firewood. And you think, well, these men are kind of lazy. Um, well, I, I, I wouldn't say they're lazy, especially the, the believers. They also go to the field, but men don't carry water. Interesting, isn't it? Just women, and they carry it on their heads. And then men may get firewood as well. This is after uh, a meeting, we're leaving, and uh, notice they, they're carrying their chairs. So the, the church is empty. You bring your chair to church, and then when church is finished, you take your, ch your chair home. So they're leading us out of the city uh, or this particular area and singing as they go through. It's a tremendous witness to, to the people of that area. This is an Angolan worker. P part of the reason I feel I'm there is to encourage Angolans to teach as well. Uh, very few missionaries left in Angola. Because of the Civil War, things kind of shut down. And uh, there's only less than, well, it's probably two or three missionaries that are left in Angola. Uh, and this is a local worker who accompanied us and shared some of the teaching with me. And then another, uh, this is a young man, try and take an interest and encourage them. I actually bought him a Bible. Uh, feel he has potential, say, you know, you need to go on. The, the, the missionary from the United States or from Europe, it's not always gonna be there. It, it, uh, it needs to be an indigenous church, you know, a church that has its own teachers. Then the, uh, the, uh, in August and September, I'm usually, as I pointed out, being at a Bible school. What a privilege it is to be with elders and deacons and to teach them the Word of God so that they can go back to their villages and teach. This is the, uh, where, they, where they stay at, our, at, a, at their Bible school. And then this is our area that we teach in. It's just a, a very simple building, as you can see. And here are some of the students studying the Word of God. So these are elders and deacons from villages that we teach, and then they go back uh, to their um, villages and teach uh, the people there. In September, I taught, for instance, went for the whole month, went through uh, the book of Revelation, First and Second Peter, uh, Zechariah, Zacharias, um, what it is to be an elder or deacon, lead the, uh, lead, leadership, I guess we'd say in English, and uh, Nehemiah. So that's quite a, a curriculum, isn't it? Some more uh, men studying, sitting, talking around the fire. And then also glasses, again, readers, to help, help them to read better. Building a new, new building uh, to, um, to, to do the teaching in. So they do it themselves. And this is where we, this was just in September, this is where they got to. I thought I'd uh, show you this. In, in, the, um, in the Civil War, there were a lot of landmines laid. I may have mentioned this morning there are actually more mines, uh, these are anti-personnel mines laid 
than there are people in Angola. And unfortunately, both sides did it, and both sides did not keep maps of where they laid the mines. So there are still mines there today. And this particular brother, I remember him from last year, and uh, I got talking to him, and then he had a short sleeve shirt on, and I noticed his arm, uh, and I thought, what happened to your arm? Well, he was working for a demining uh, organization, and he was out uh, in an area that they suspected were mines, and he was going along on, they go along on, they have shields on and, and visors and so on, and they have sticks, and it, it, it's kind of dangerous. And when, if I, they hit a mine that explodes, they, they're not uh, hurt because it's in front of them. But there was a particular mine that instead of lying down like this, it had moved and was like this. And so his stick didn't hit it. But when he got alongside of it, and he went like that, it hit it from the side and it blew up. And uh, it, it severely damaged his arm. It, he, first, when he, looked, when he woke up, he looked, he didn't see his arm. It was right behind him. And he had a compound fracture in his shoulder and in, in his forearm. He lost a finger, lost his teeth, and so on. And that, that was just uh, in, 19, in 2014 that that happened. A lot of amputees because of, of the Civil War. A Civil War is a terrible thing. Uh, we had a Civil War, of course, in our country. Uh, people suffer through a Civil War. Uh, and uh, many people are killed, of course. Uh, essential piece of equipment, a mosquito net. I, I take a, a, a malarial prophylactic, but I try and do it natural. I used to take uh, drugs or antibiotics, but they're too harsh. So I, I take a, uh, a natural product called neem, and I use a mosquito net. I also use a SteriPen, which sterilizes water using ultraviolet light, and I, I have a one-liter bottle. So, you know, you, you have to kind of go prepared uh, not to get, to try and keep from getting sick. At night, uh, we have some classes in the city with young professionals. These are city people as opposed to the rural people, and just teaching them the word. These are keeners. They know the word of God, and so it's encouraging them. They're the future leaders of the church in Angola, and uh, there's some more of them there, another class. Uh, I don't know if the police would appreciate that here, but <laughs> taking some of our students to a church on Sunday, and then a church in that area, these, this is the elders conference that we had. We had um, two Saturdays, full, the whole, the whole Saturday with, uh, well, not elders conference, leaders conference, with about, I'd say 120 to 150 uh, elders and deacons that come and teaching them what it is to be an elder, what it is to be a deacon, uh, teaching them the qualifications and the responsibilities. They, they never learned this. And unfortunately, in some of these churches, you get an, an elder or a deacon, and they just sit up front and uh, wear a, a kind of a suit, an old suit, and cross their arms and say, I'm an elder, I'm a deacon. And there's, there, there's no spiritual depth of them whatsoever. They're not qualified because they never were taught. So we're trying to do that and teach, teach what it is to be an elder in one of our assemblies. I, I'm privileged to be an elder in our assembly back in Stevensville, so it, it's, it, it, it's a joy to be with them and just share with them what it really is to be a leader in the church. There's another picture of it. I thought I'd show you some food items. Uh, 
these are potatoes, I think, and a, and a fish. Uh, that's manioc there, or shima, with a sauce on it, piece of chicken. And uh, I, I usually lose maybe five, six pounds when I go in a month, which I don't mind, to be honest with you. You know, <laughs> we, Sometimes we can all lose a bit of weight, right? I'm not trying to be personal. You know, Don't, don't feel I'm talking to anybody here. But, um, you know, you, um, it's something that, okay, you know, I'll just eat what they eat. And um, sometimes I, I don't uh, come out heavier. <laughs> we visit villages from the school. Uh, this is a bridge. It looks iffy, doesn't it? Or we say in Montana, it's sketchy. I don't know if you use that expression here. Um, tires aren't quite the best. I think we'd be pulled over here with a tire like that. So consequently, this is what happens. It's uh, to get a wheel alignment, just to give you an idea, a wheel alignment, I remember one of my brothers there had a uh, Toyota Helix. And uh, you, you couldn't do the wheel alignment. They couldn't do it manually. So he had to go to a place that did it by a computer 600 miles away to the capital to get your car aligned, That's, your, your, your front tires aligned. Can you imagine that? So what happens is they just don't do it. They just switch tires around, and you get tires like this. Small village church, um, babies crying, <laughs> lots of noise, teaching with one of my brothers here, and then another group of believers. And the last picture, I, I just want to show you, this is a, a class that we had in August, September, and these are some of these believers. And I, if I could encourage you to pray uh, for the Angolan church, uh, again, they're brothers and sisters uh, to us. Um, they're just a different culture, you know, different nationality, different language. Uh, we, we say we're all red on the inside. And uh, they have a love for the Lord, just like we do. They would feel very comfortable with us in terms of our, our desire to follow the Lord. Culturally, it would be a little awkward for them, of course, you know, to be with us. But they love the Lord, and they have this thirst for his word. And the, as I mentioned, there are at least 2,000 assemblies there in Angola, and they want to they want to progress. They want to go on. They don't want nominalism in their churches. They want to follow uh, the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior and mean business for him and make a difference in their communities. The, the big sins are uh, immorality, but uh, idolatry and witchcraft. And the, the, the tendency is, is, is to fall back into witchcraft and idolatry. And so they don't want to do that. They want to be firm in God's word. So I, 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 I'd like to encourage you. I know you're missionary-minded. You've got people down or at least coming back from Mexico right now, and I, I appreciate that. And I'm glad that they're doing that. And, and what a blessing, you know, to reach out. But if I could encourage you as well to reach out to your neighbors and to your family, and it's not easy. Be, being a missionary... Uh, overseas, you really have to start being a missionary at home first. 
And probably the hardest people to reach are one, family, right? Two, your neighbors. Your neighbors know more about you than you think. And trying to reach them is very, very difficult. Wouldn't you agree? So try and reach out to them. You know, they're the mission field that God has given you. You've got the language. <laughs> you, you can do it. You know, we, we do it in our area as well. I, I just wondered if, if uh, just in closing, are there any questions? And then I'll, I'll pray. Any, anybody? Yes, sir. These ones are, are uh, Chokwe, except there was a, a brother from another uh, tribal group, Luvale, and he was using Portuguese. So mostly it's the Chokwe language. So in that, in that northeast, uh, many different languages? M mostly Chokwe. And, and you do have scriptures in Chokwe? Yes. Uh, we have the Bible that was translated by a missionary called David Long and the hymn book, and that's about it. You know, and a, a few a few little books written. The problem is, and if I could just say something more, uh, we can read our Bibles well. You know, we, because they're English, we have many other things to read, and we're educated in English. But they're educated in Portuguese in the school. And the only thing they can read or have to read in their native language is, is the Bible. So they, they were very poor readers. I can read Chokwe better than they can. And so what I did with them, I said, you know, guys, we got to get going here. We, we got to read the scripture well. We have to read with a, a, a loud voice, and we have to read correctly. We have to obey the, the grammar in it and the punctuation and so on. So what I said to them was read one chapter a day out loud. Do that. Practice that. Keep up uh, that language because it's your language, and you need to be able to communicate the word of God in your language. So that's one of the things that we, we try to do. But that's a, I appreciate your question there. Thank you. Yes, yes uh, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, it's seven hours from Montana, so it's eight hours from here. Yeah, eight hours difference. So it's uh, uh, about three o'clock in the morning over there, <laughs> tomorrow morning. <laughs> Um, it, it's the, there's a dry season, rainy season. So the rainy season is in February, March. It would be that area. And then in August, September, it's the dry season. So it's, it's not bad. It, it, the climate is kind of like right here in the dry season. It's, it's very agreeable in, in, in a way. What, what's interesting with my wife is, um, you know, since you asked about the time difference, I, uh, when I get up, she's going to bed here in Montana, or I mean in the United States. So it's kind of funny, you know, I get up, I pray for her as she goes to bed, and as she's going to bed, she's praying for my day, and so on. It's kind of interesting. And I, I used to go longer periods of time, but you know, I'm kind of getting older, you know? If you, if you know, I gray hairs and things, and, and uh, less hair, and uh, I, I, I find I can't go more than a month. I, I, I don't like to be away from my wife for that long of a period of time. It's just not good. So I, I usually keep it to about a month. Are there any other questions? You, you had a question? Go ahead.
Well, it's, it's about six months of rainy season, six months of dry season. Yeah, so it kind of, you know, that's how they divide it. In fact, they often say to me, is your weather like this too? You know, do you have dry season, rainy season? I'm there, oh, it's so different. <laughs> Especially in Montana, you know, it's very, we have, we have snow, you know, kind of stuff. And Do you have snow here? No. <laughs> Up the mountains, yeah. Just leave it in the mountains. <laughs> Maybe one more question. That's a good question, though. Thank you. But it's six and six, you know, six months, six months. Maybe, maybe one more question. Yes? I'm, I'm sorry? You, you mean my own brothers? Oh, well... If we're talking about the church, there's thousands of brothers. You know, I, they're all my Angolan brothers. As in uh, that culture, you have to be careful. I, I, I can really only associate with men, you know. I, I can't talk too much with women. Um, but they're still my sisters. I just, I have to be careful. So I stick with the guys mainly. And, uh, Rod? Can, can you explain the visa issue? Oh, yeah, okay. I... Yeah, that, why I'm here is, is, is kind of interesting. I, uh, I, you have to have a visa to go to most countries, and Angola included. The consulate was, was here in Los Angeles, and so to get a visa to Angola, I have to come to Los Angeles to have my fingerprints taken and make my application. And if Lord willing, I, I usually get a two-year visa. So every two years I do that. And I've done that a couple of times. I've come to Los Angeles and done that. But it's a very long day. I take two flights here, go to the consulate, get that done, and then take two flights home. So it's, it's a long day. And I thought, you know, it'd be nice maybe to try and visit some church or, or and a lady called Mary Rodriguez, who some of you may know from Yosemite. She said, you know, this, there's an assembly there called Claremont. You should contact them. And and so I, I did, and this is how it worked out. So I, uh, but then the uh, consulate closed in Los Angeles, but I still thought, you know, I'm still going to come. Now I have to go to Houston to, to do that. But it's, it's quite a process. You, you, you go, and they take your fingerprints, and then you present your application, and then hopefully, with God's grace, they'll send you a two-year visa. So that's, that's, that's a prayer item for me, if you'd like, just to be able to. I have, it's actually in January I'll be going to, to Houston to get that done. Would it be the same for us as tourists? Yep. Still have to go to Houston? Yep. They don't want, they don't want tourists in Angola. There's nothing, yeah, this is a good question. Yeah, they don't have a tourist visa. They have an ordinary visa. There's nothing to see. Yeah, it's a good point. It, it's not... Design the country's not there for tourism. It, it, it's a strange situation. Yeah, I know. I, and it's, a lady actually asked me on a plane once. Uh, she was a, an NGO, like a non-government worker, and she said, "Could you tell me some things to see in Angola?" And I thought, "Wow, I don't know. There, there's you know, there's nothing really to see there. There's no tourist attractions. It's just, it's just this." big country, you know, with jungle and, and uh, uh, nothing exciting kind of like that. H hello? Yeah, go ahead. What? 
in, in animals? That would be the tourist attraction. Yeah, but th there's none of that, you know, like all that kind of elephant hunting and stuff, that's usually on reserves in places like Kenya or Zambia. Angola doesn't have any of that. In fact, and sadly, a lot of animals were killed off in the Civil War because they, the rebels shot them for food or the government shot them to feed their army. So it's really kind of, it, you know, from that perspective, there's, it's not very attractive. But what attracts me are people. And I, I just want to be with people and encourage them to follow the Lord Jesus and, and to make their lives count for him. That, that's really the important thing in the end, isn't it? Well, let me, I think I'm past the time, so I'll just close in a word of prayer. But thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And just remember our, what some of those slides you saw about our, and the Angolan church. Remember, they have a breaking of bread just like we do. They teach the same doctrines as we do. They have plurality of leadership in their, in their assemblies. They're just a different culture, different language group. But we're all, you know, followers of the Lord. We'll all be in heaven together with the Lord Jesus. It's exciting, isn't it? You know, we're so diverse. It's wonderful. But let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I, I thank you uh, for this evening that I was able to, to be here with uh, this local assembly. And uh, what a joy it is to be with other believers. And I, I would first pray for this assembly. And thank you for their example and their witness. I thank you for their encouragement uh, to me and that I could just be amongst them and, and appreciate them. And then we, we think of our brothers and sisters uh, in the country of Angola or other countries around the world that love you and, and want to follow you. Thank you for them. Uh, may they continue. May they grow in you. We thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ is our intercessor that he intercedes on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, that you care about us in that way, that you want us to be unified, that you want us to be kept from the evil one, that you want us to be separated from the world, and that you want us to have joy. Thank you that you're praying for us. Uh, we ask that you bless uh, each person here, give, them a, uh, give us a safe uh, trip back to our homes, and we look forward to next Sunday uh, getting together again. Uh, we pray these things in the wonderful and precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.